This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 646. And the quote of the day is, the future belongs to those who prepare for it. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 646, and this is the first episode of the new year, so I hope all of you had a nice holiday, had a nice new year, all that kind of stuff, and I wish you nothing but health and happiness and success in 2022, and uh, I had a low-key, pretty low-key holiday. I, I normally go back east for the holidays and everything, and my wife and I didn't do that. We just we just chilled in L.A., so very low key. Uh, I think that was I think that was a good move given uh, what's going on out there in the world. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about drums, and this is a great conversation with my man AJ Hall. And AJ has a really interesting story where he he lived in New Orleans for a long time and cut his teeth playing you know gigs in New Orleans and playing with a high caliber group of people, but then also. On like the other side of the coin, he talks about in here living a double life of being a hip hop producer and making beats and and you know working in the lab. And we talk a lot about that. We talk about we get pretty deep into the hip hop stuff too, and talk about you know the history of it and and different styles and what's current now. And and there's a lot of stuff that goes on here. He has a lot of great information about not only making beats but but also with playing and also with you know, preparing yourself for the future and preparing yourself for for uh, different income streams and different things like that. So a really wide ranging conversation, really specific about about the hip hop stuff, which I really like, too. Um, so I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with AJ Hall. AJ, what's going on, my man? Abner, man, how you doing? All right, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I I, I wish. I mean, I guess we could. We were just talking about this. We could show. Uh, we are recording the video, but I like your setup, man. It looks like you got the lab. And like I look at that, and I'm like, that is the lab, man. It's beautiful in here. I, I've I moved into this house in June of 2020. Me and my, me and my wife and our daughter, and uh, we have another kid now, but we moved in. We moved in here in July 2020, and I like immediately got to work getting all this together. You know Just what I mean? Getting, getting everything in there. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, my guess is like you probably spend the majority of your time in that room. Yeah, pretty much these days. I mean, especially you know, especially post COVID. You know, so I'm I'm in here a lot. It's pretty much a nine to five for me in here at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about um, just growing up and how how you got into all of this in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, my, my whole story up until this point is it involves a giant pivot. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. You know, 2020 hit and February and March came and almost every working drummer in the world experienced something similar to what I experienced. You know, everything just kind of vanished overnight. And um, it's, it's funny growing up, I, I I had always played drums. I played guitar first, and that's my kind of chordal instrument. I always recommend mm-hmm. all drummers yeah. have a chord instrument that you play so you can visualize chords and everything like that. But so I grew up, and I was always playing drums from like 13, 15, 14, you know. Mm-hmm. And pretty much it it the story goes, you know, high school, playing gigs around town and stuff like that, and then... Right. Up into college, I went to Florida State and studied um, studied in the jazz program there. It's actually for for anybody any young young drummers looking, it's one of the only really swinging programs in the country. It's it's really one of the only ones in the country that teaches like actual swing on the drum set rather than jazz as a whole six decades of music. You know what I mean? Huh. So it's That's interesting. It's, it's, shoot, I mean ninety decades really when we're talking about it. It's really one of the only schools that teaches like swing swing. So uh, right after college, I pretty much moved to New Orleans with my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now. Um, 2012, graduated Florida State, 
the day after packed up the car and moved to New Orleans. Like the day after really? the graduation. Why, why totally. New Orleans? Um, it was, I had a lot of friends there and it was also, it made the most sense for me musically because I wanted to play and New Orleans has a really good concentration of, not concentration, it has a really good diverse, like diversifying thing of you can play straight ahead, you can play funk, you can play, you know, big gospel gigs with tracks and in-ears and all that. Like you can do mm-hmm. a lot of that often in like a one week span. You know what I mean? Sometimes daily, right. really. There was yeah. times I, I was in New Orleans from 2012 to 2020. And there was times where like in a day I would play a church gig with tracks, you know, big full gospel type stuff. I would play a church gig and then go to a straight ahead gig in a suit. And then that <laughs> night play a gig that started at midnight. That was just a rager funk pocket gig. You know what nice. I mean? So, and that's, that's pretty much why I moved there. So I cut my teeth with a lot of artists and bands in New Orleans and a lot of touring artists there. I'm still with a touring artist out of uh, out of New Orleans. His name is John Cleary. He's a piano player. Any drummers who might already recognize my name probably know me from the John Cleary band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been with him since 2015. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, pandemic hit 2020, and I was already planning on moving out of New Orleans to come back to Tampa just because I had solidified my you know, sort of touring gig and we weren't playing in town that much with John Cleary in mm-hmm. New Orleans. We weren't playing in New Orleans that much. So I, I told him, you know, I got to go. I'm going back to Tampa. I'm going to settle some things down, get right with the family and all that. And uh, it, it, it really ended up having so much silver lining that like there's, there's still bonuses rolling in from deciding to move back, you know, nice. like it all, it, it all kind of fell into place really nicely. Nice. You mentioned you mentioned John Cleary. I I think I I binged that uh, that Go Go Juice record for a long time. Mm. I just listened to it like I was that was was right before on the band too. We were playing that stuff. Who played? I think Terrence uh, Terrence Terrence uh, Higgins played on that, right? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but for for those of you who aren't hip to John Cleary, you should go check him out because he's amazing. That's who Um, I'll be on the road with if and whenever. Road stuff continues, you know, who knows? <laughs> Everything's yeah. happening until it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it, I felt like we were out of it and then now I feel like we're, we're back into it again. I mean, I yeah, feel like we were, we were sort of getting over the hump, but now, yeah. you know, COVID like, said, now that, that, that chair is waiting on you. Go sit down. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. uh, I just saw a funny gift that was, it, it was Dr. Fauci and the, the chronic, uh, like the Dr. Dre, the chronic album cover. And it said, Oma, it said Omicronic, which, I thought, uh-huh. was, which yep. I thought was pretty funny. Back again. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a weird thing. Like I'm not, you know, I, I kind of pivoted, you know, with the move here, I wasn't anticipating any of any, obviously not any, any of the COVID stuff. I had right. me and my wife were planning on moving since like October of 2019. So we had it in the bag for a while, mm. just making the transition. And then, you know, 2020, January, February, March hit and it got real, you know, but yeah. luckily, luckily all the way from like October into today, uh, I had been making these drum breaks, you know, recording them at, at, at my house. Cause I'm a hip hop head till the, mm-hmm. till the cat could drop. So I've, I've been recording these drum breaks and just sending them to different producers that I was into and everything like that. I've, I, most of my drumming career, I've kind of lived this double life as a drummer and a and a hip hop producer, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of been known in some circles. I've, I'm known to the hip hop producers as the guy who plays drums, and I'm known to most drummers as the guy who like makes beats and drum breaks and stuff like you know right, what I mean. Right. So I'm kind of I've been leading this double life, and it's way more drum breaks now. Obviously, with you know not as much gigging work going on, but I'm I'm cool with mm-hmm. that, man. I'm here in the lab. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, th- that's my, that was a, I was going to ask you. You talk about making drum beats and being a hip hop head. Was that what you grew up on? Were you listen? Did you listen um, to hip hop growing up? Yes and no. Like I, I really got into hip hop in high school, maybe end of middle school. But you know, my father's a bass player, so just growing up, I was always listening to you know stuff that stuff that most white guys his age listen to, like Yes and Journey mm-hmm. and Lake and Palmer and all the Motown stuff. And he he had this eclectic taste. And uh, growing up, it was just like, we, you know, we would sit and listen to records and like the Keys to Ascension, Yes album and all that 
craziness and Billy Cobham and George Duke and all that stuff. So I kind of got into hip hop on my own mm-hmm. high school, you know. And were you all into the prog stuff though? Oh yeah, of course. I'm, I still were you, am. Were I, you playing I, that? No, nah, not as much. You know, there no. just weren't as many cats around in high school when I was really into that. Right. But now, in retrospect, I do play a little bit of fusion gigs and stuff like that. My homie Nigel Hall from Lettuce, mm-hmm. keyboard player, we we nerd out over George Duke and Chick Corea and all that, you know, <laughs> records and stuff like that. So occasionally when I do get to play it, I'll bring out the seven toms and the China symbol way up to my left, you know. <laughs> right. That's the, yeah, that's yeah. fun to play. <laughs> uh the 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 difference between like i it's always interesting to me like hip-hop and and listening to the stuff that i listen to now so like i grew up on hip-hop so i got an older brother and and uh and i so then once i got in when i got older getting into like getting into more funk stuff getting into you know james brown and all this other stuff and i was like oh i was like nah. this is all the stuff that they use in all this and yep. all this yep. hip-hop stuff Full and, circle. Circle. And but but I think that there there has to be a difference between playing that stuff, whether you're playing you know live or playing in the studio or something like that, versus mm-hmm. versus uh, creating that as a loop or creating that as a beat in the studio. It's all it's borderline a different instrument, honestly, man. It, it like yeah. creating drum breaks is, in my experience, is like one hundred percent different than playing on a gig. Like they could not be more farther apart. Um, mm-hmm. How so? Like when, when I play, when I play a drum break, record it in here. I already know how I'm gonna mix it, right? So imagine being able to play on a gig in a big room with mic'd up drums, where your your drum sound almost is not in the room at all. It's all mics, right? Mm-hmm. A room big enough to where you're not playing to the room at all. Imagine playing that kind of gig where you're also the front of house engineer you know like (laughs) you also have full control of the way the drums sound you would probably play very differently knowing that like okay i'm gonna put a bunch of reverb on just the top snare mic so i don't need to hit it as hard because it's gonna come through you know what i mean just little Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. like that and i like when i make drum breaks in here i'm playing quieter than I do on some jazz gigs, honestly. <laughs> like I'm, really? I'm so light in here because I learned I learned it from Questlove. Like when you play too hard, you end up killing your mics, and the mm-hmm. the actual signal from the mics has nowhere else to go when you start adding all this compression and saturation to it. You know? So I, I kind of reverse engineer drum breaks starting with the drums. You know, most of these old school '60s and '70s breaks, they came out of an era where the room was the studio. There's no isolation booths with the drums and everything like that. This it's the band in a room. Most of the time, a really low budget room. That's where all the classic breaks are from. Really right. bad recordings from the sixties and seventies, right? So I'm imitating that by knowing exactly how I'm going to mix the break before I even start playing it, and that informs the way that I play. That's why they sound like they do. Gotcha. gotcha. And man, I, I gotta I gotta find out who's in charge of of you guys is like podcast audio because almost every snippet of the podcast that you guys run on instagram it's it's one of my drum breaks on it so i don't know who got so we so my producer uh yeah he had like he has a bunch of drum breaks that he bought and that's nuts man yeah because he's got some from the first pack i ever put out i'll follow you guys on instagram and i see the clips come up and i'm like oh that's a joint i made in like <laughs> Like August 2019, it's crazy, man. Nice, yeah, yeah. I know when we were talking, you were like, "Wait a minute!" You were like, "I think this is one of mine." Absolute full circle, man. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're they're getting used, so that's good. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, man. Uh, real quick, is that I was gonna say, is that um, I think that fan's getting picked up in the yeah, microphone. it's getting in the way. I'll turn it off. Yeah. All right, cool. So I don't want okay. you in there sweating. You are in Florida, so no, it's all right. Uh, all right. Um, now I lost my train of thought, though. Um, we we're talking oh, about drum breaks and playing them the way that you're going to mix them, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you you bring up an ex- interesting point that I think it, it's such a it's such a hard thing to learn, but you have to learn it at some point that like the microphones are there to help you. They're not just there to capture the sound of whatever you're doing. Oh, it's like oh. use the mics. I remember Victor and Drizzo was talking about that too. Is like make sure that you're uh, you're giving the mic the right input so that you can get the best output out of that thing. Yep. 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 And I mean, that that's a, 
that's a two-way street though because you got you have to work with an engineer that you really trust mm-hmm. and a lot of my like the big part of the genesis of these drum breaks and why i do them uh the idea came about because i just got tired of arguing with studio engineers <laughs> i got tired of like being in studio sessions with bands that i was either a part of or bands that i myself was producing the record and you know in my experience man like a million dollar recording studio is the hardest place to get a good dr- like grimy hip hop drum break it's it's the most difficult place to do it why um, because everything's just pristine and, and just pristine you know what i mean and what 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 a lot of people don't realize is like even down to this is genreless but everybody's favorite like music favorite like b-sides and rare recordings and all these all this like great stuff across all genres was recorded poorly mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. definition that you might learn at full sale you know what i right. mean right. like there's all these weird tricks and you know these these ponytail having engineers will talk about you know oh this this hip-hop production has gone too far and they're doing all this weird stuff with all this equipment and not using it the way it's meant to be used but they're one of their favorite albums is revolver by the beatles it's like bro what are we doing like what are we doing here man they're playing tape machines in reverse with recordings of birds on the record like stop right. it everybody's favorite music was rec- either recorded poorly or done experimentally in some way yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and that's that's kind of where i'm at with with my breaks once i realized that once i realized that the the most famous hip hop breaks were not recorded in multi million dollar studios that was a wrap once i realized that you don't need all that stuff to get a great grimy hip hop sound it was a wrap so where do you so where do you start when you're building a track um it really comes from two places so it one it can come from reference tracks that people actually send me because i do custom orders through my site right so it can come from somebody that says hey i need 10 breaks um here's 10 tracks that i need them to sound like it'll be you know james brown funky drummer or you know god made me funky by the headhunters you know and i can either absolutely like nail all the textures based on all the drums and all the all the ways of playing that I have in my studio, mm-hmm. or um, it honestly just comes from me listening to so much hip hop and keeping up with so much hip hop. That's a big part of it too. I feel like I feel like drummers and musicians in general that are really into hip hop they kind of they're kind of oblivious to what's been happening 2010 and up. You know what I mean? I'm I'm it's, guilty of that. Yeah, so sure. I mean, and, and it's not it's not I mean, really something bad, like there, you know you can oh. cherry pick a couple things here and there that you're like oh yeah I listened to that or I listened to this but like yeah for, for by and but large like so it's like people ask me what bands and what records I'm listening to for like drums and honestly I'm I'm not listening to um like bands or artists that have live studio musicians that much most of the stuff that I listen to doesn't have any live musicians on it or is made with samples and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know but people you know like I, I was never a big like weckle head or like listening to all the records that dennis played on or anything like that that stuff's amazing but that was never what i gravitated towards what i gravitated towards was rap like really really early and it's i i, I kind of hear like you would play a sample if that makes sense mm-hmm. when i'm playing i'm really going for what you would hear when you hear sampled drums why do you think people stopped listening around 2010? Um, ah, that's a loaded question because I mean, well, I think drummers and musicians under the, under the musician umbrella, I think as musicians and drummers, we like to hear, we like to hear a mirror image, you know, we like to hear what we would play. So that's why, you know, that's why we all go to Thundercat concerts and Corey Henry shows and all that stuff. Cause we like, we like that musician part of our brain stimulated, right? Mm-hmm. We like to hear people playing and digging in and all that stuff. That's amazing. There's nothing wrong with that. What I'm more interested in is production and how people achieve mysticism and sounds and moods with like sampled material. You know what I right. mean? Or unconventional ways of making music. I'm I'm much more interested in that than I am, you know, in in the latest insert funk band here insert jam band here record i'm much more interested in hip-hop 
Right. So I think I think it's just musicians. You really have to learn how to hear hip hop if you're a trained musician. You have to learn how to hear that music. I know there's going to be some people that are like, oh, you shouldn't have to learn how to hear any music if it's good music. <laughs> no, jazz musicians say that all the time. You have to, you have to know what's happening, which is true. Yeah. I'm not against that. You know, you have to. It's the same thing that goes with hip hop. You have to. You have to. Like you have to hear it with a different set of ears. You really do. Yeah. I mean, I so, think hip hop. I th- I think it. I think hip hop. I mean, it was. This is my take on it, and I'd love to hear yeah. your take on it. But I think it went from hip hop, and then it turned to rap, and then it kind of, and then it turned to trap. Sure, sure. And there's a there's a lot of that. I, it's. Um, I'm trying to think of the metaphor. It's the same thing with jazz. Like you have. And I know jazz is, is a bad word in some circles, but I'm just going to use it for sake of not confusing anybody. The, the jazz umbrella in the forties, fifties and sixties was a very narrow umbrella. You know, right. you had coming out of big band, then you had the introduction of bebop in the fifties and then you had post bop in the sixties and you didn't really have anything out of those three, you know, with the exception of miles in the late sixties and train mm-hmm. in the late sixties, really stretching out. Right. So the same thing, happened with jazz in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, the 2010s and the 2020s, right? There's m- the scope of that music is way wider than just ding, 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 right. ding. You know what I mean? So yep. the same thing goes with hip hop. Hip hop in the 70s was just rhyming over funk breaks, right? Mm-hmm. Looped vinyl over funk breaks. Then it became the first drum machines in the 80s. Then it became the golden era boom bap in the 90s. Then in the 2010s, is right along that cusp when Atlanta started coming up and you started to hear when, when trap just blew up. It went nuts, right? So since the 2010s when trap was at the top of the charts, we've, we now have a music ecosystem where there's a hip-hop renaissance going on because artists can sell their merch online, artists can print out vinyl and sell it. There's boom-bap artists with zero radio songs zero club friendly songs that are well into six figures on their own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With no record deal, no label, no, no manager, no promo, no radio stuff. It's just right. like the, the creator economy has opened up this giant sub umbrella of like new school boom bap and everything like that. That is, it, it, there's a plethora of artists in, in that area of hip hop right now. Honestly, for the last 10 to 15 years there have been like it's hmm. it's it, i don't want to say like, it's the 90s all over again because like who like who i mean give me like a couple examples there's i mean obviously griselda is at the top griselda is a trio some consider it a quartet or a five piece mm-hmm. um three sometimes five mcs um out of buffalo new york one's out of detroit and i believe one's out of rochester um somebody will correct me if i'm wrong but it's yeah, that's that's just the grimiest sound since Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers, like mm-hmm. absolute ridiculous. And they've their their body of work collectively is God knows how many uh, projects and albums deep. It's it's in the fifties, you know. Jeez, like there's so much material just out of those three or five guys. Um, you know, Static Select is a huge one. He's a producer that is like has had his foot on the on the neck of Boom Bat for the last ten to fifteen years, mm-hmm. maybe even twenty if you if you count some of his early stuff. But yeah, he's he's another producer that like is really holding true to the Boom Bat sound. And even outside of radio friendly trap, there's people that there's artists that are making music over beats that are sort of trappish, but they're a lot more eclectic. There's a group out of Atlanta called Earth Gang. Um, yeah, I, I could go on and on. Like the hip hop in general is like you know it's like it, it's like saying right now that there's oh there's no good rock bands like no they're all they're all out there it's just right. none of them on the radio there's right. a lot of them out there just you not, know, i think i think that's the that's the part that i get hung up on uh that i feel like every everything that i hear now that like so let me let me rewind if you look at if you look at jazz how you were saying like okay this umbrella has gotten much bitter which bigger which i totally agree with right so you have i mean you have everyone from like uh you know date smith and then you have the straight you still have the guys who are playing straight ahead bop and then you have sort of everyone in between they're playing glitch beats yeah. that are kind of mixed with this. right you got the whole mark juliana movement you got ambrose 
right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, I, and maybe I'm just like a little bit more tuned into that, but I see that wide spectrum, right? I see all of that stuff happening. I, yeah. I think it's all amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But with hip hop, I feel like you're saying the narrow, the umbrella has widened and I yeah. feel like it's gotten much more narrow because I feel like everything I hear is like yeah. trap mumble rap and that's it. Sure. I mean, but maybe, that's, maybe and, and is that just what's on the radio and I'm just not finding yeah, the other stuff? That's just commercial appeal. Like anything. It's like saying, uh, the perfect metaphor is TV. Like you can sit and watch, uh, you know, you can sit and watch NBC at night and be like, man, all these TV shows are really rough. <laughs> like these are really, you know what I mean? Like big bang theory is not really that funny. This is kind of terrible. Right. It's like saying there's no good TV when the only, the only spectrum that's being paid attention to is cable. Meanwhile, there's Netflix, there's Hulu there, you know, there's all these platforms where people can make amazing content uh, that has nothing to do with the previous medium that it used to only exist on. Right. And where would you, so where do you suggest that people go and cause I don't listen to the radio at all. Right. So, so you look at, if you look at my playlist, I'm like, okay, it's all stuff that, you know, and and frankly, like I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, man, I just feel like I'm listening to the same shit. You know, like I try to, and I try to yeah. go deep. Um, but uh, there's a um, there's a playlist on Spotify called Spilled Ink that's like mm-hmm. one of those big sponsored Spotify playlists. That's a really good one. It's got a lot of, I'd say that one has probably the most like hardcore new school boom bap mixed with just like like good rap music. Mm-hmm. That's sometimes over over digital sounding beats, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that playlist is a good place to start. And I tell people this all the time. Anytime you hear something you like on Spotify, you just go to that artist's page and then there's, you scroll down and there's the fans also like tab. Right. You know what I mean? And that's that's your goldmine right there. You're off to the races. You yeah. know, that's that's kind of what I would suggest. Why do you think that? I I'd say the most commercially viable stuff that is out right now uh, in terms of radio playing and things like that, that you're seeing in placements and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. is, is arguably, and this is my opinion and people are probably going to blow up my DMS when I say this, but <laughs> like to me is arguably the least creative and, and not, not as like musically, uh, I don't know what the word I'm like, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe creative is the way, like, I feel like it's, it's so stripped down and like, I feel like the, there's not much going on with the beats. I feel like there's sure. the lyrics. There's not much going on with the lyrics. Like there's not much depth there at all. Why do you think that that is the most commercially viable stuff that we're hearing right now? I mean, you know, that's, I, I'm not really, I don't really hate a lot of that stuff. Honestly, like I listen to just as much mainstream club music as I do grimy distorted boom bap recorded in basements right. and stuff like that. um i think you know it's 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 the same it's the same thing like any other medium like people say the 60s was such a great time for music meanwhile you had the monkeys you know <laughs> it's like and you had the partridge family <laughs> so it's like there's always going to be bullshit that's commercial there's always going to be bullshit that's commercially successful everywhere it's not you know yeah it's definitely like hip-hop culturally took over the mainstream by far mm-hmm. just like landslide victory honestly um and i th- i think it just sort of forced everything underground for a while and with the with the creator economy of the last 10 years it's just these bands and these artists have way more freedom to do whatever they want and maintain a fan base and be successful uh right. without having to lean into the commercially successful material at all but i think that's i think that's why hip-hop in the mainstream radio has become so watered down to this formula that just works Mm -hmm. it's because nobody else needs to try to get into it so the industry is just looking for that one thing you know what i mean like nobody else needs to try to like throw darts at the at the mainstream success thing if they don't want to you know? Right. And I'm not naive, uh, you know, naive enough to think that like, I don't have a bias. Right. So like I got in, I got into listening to hip hop because I love the beats and I love the lyrics. And now I feel like I hate the beats and I hate the lyrics. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I mean, I'm like, there's better examples of it. There's definitely like, you know, I, I like, I like to think, especially in 2020, 2021, 2022, 
we we hear music now with a lot more information than we did back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Like we hear music because of the internet age. I don't know about you, but I hear shit subconsciously thinking about who else likes it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Consciously thinking about how how else it affects other people who listen to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it wasn't always that way with music. I feel like now we listen to I feel like now we hear like mainstream radio trap and we immediately think of like kids on TikTok that are listening to it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. We, a lot of no. times I listen to stuff and I'm like, who listens to this? Oh, yeah. And, and, the, and I'm not even saying, and, and just so we're clear, like, I'm not just harping on trap. Like, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of, like, I, there's a lot of music that I listen to, and I probably sound like some old curmudgeon y guy now, yeah, yeah. right? But, like, there's a lot I'm, of bad, like, stadium pop out right now that's really. Listen, I'm like, who? I'm like, and then yeah. I, I see, like, 40 year olds driving by in the car yeah. listening to it. I'm like, you don't, act, there's no way you like this. I mean, just, it, ha- it happens. I, I I think it's like I said. There's artists that don't have to reach for commercial success anymore, so you don't you don't hear any diversity because the industry doesn't have to allow any diversity anymore. You know, the industry can just go for the one Billboard number one sound in any genre. The same right. thing with country. There used to be all this country that's great songwriting and all this great stuff. Now you have pop country. Now you have all the stuff that's just really abysmal kind of frat music. Yeah. You know, because there's country artists like Miranda Lambert. She can make whatever she wants and she's still very successful. You know what right. I mean? Right. And I think that's, I think the internet's given power to people who want to be more creative and not even have to worry about what's working with the mouth breathers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're looking to get a new kit, you have two options. One, you can check out some pictures online. You can go to the store. You can see what they have there. You can drive to another store. You can find a couple more models and you can drive yourself insane driving all over the place trying to see what the kit that you want looks like. Or you can design yourself the perfect sonar kit using their SQ2 drum configurator. And this configurator allows you to build a kit from scratch, or you can use some of their predetermined configurations and then just modify them. But you can modify everything, the sizes, the configuration, the hardware, the color, all of that stuff. And you can make it to your exact specifications. Not only that, you can get an overhead view, you can get a 3D image of it. All of that is built into the drum configurator. To build your dream sonar kit, go to sq 2 drumsystem.com or just google sonar sq2 you'll find it check it out the sonar drum configurator the saturn series drums have been a cornerstone mapex series for more than 25 years now the saturn evolution series combines the best of all things saturn in one series including the halo mounting system which unlocks the freedom of full resonance the sustain adjustment knob that gives you full control of resonance, decay, and tone, birch walnut hybrid shells that perfectly combine the sonic characteristics of walnut with the articulate punch of birch, delivering a dark, punchy, dry sound, and the iconic maple walnut hybrid shells, which has been at the core of the series for many years, providing a fuller, rounder tone with bright, versatile, open sound. For more information about the Saturn Evolution series, visit mapexdrums.com. Yeah, I think there's there's an interesting thing that that we're seeing right now, and I, it's like equally positive and equally negative as far as I'm oh, concerned. In terms sure. of, you know, like if, if you look at if you look at the eight, you know, obviously earlier too, but like especially like looking at the '80s and '90s, like people wanted to be in a band, get a sure. record deal, and like and now I just there's not there's not as many bands. You know, it's made a lot. There's a lot more artists that are just putting it out, and they're either higher yeah. guns or, or, or you're creating music in a non-community setting, so it's just piecemeal yeah, yeah. together. Um, yeah, yeah. That's sort of the negative. So I think that that you miss out on some of the energy, and you miss out on some of the collaboration. Sure. And sure. then the positive is, like, you can work with someone in Sweden right now and everybody create. Has everybody like, has a shot. Yep. Like every, it levels the playing field, and like. Just about- 
Yep. And that was the most when I released when I first started this podcast, like a week after I released it, some dude emailed me and was like, I just listened to your your episode and I'm in Sweden. And I'm like, holy yeah, shit. Boom. Like I Internet. released this and five minutes later this dude was listening to it. So yes, I think that is the amazing, the amazing yep. part of it. So how do yep. you how do you think that we can still preserve because music is meant to be made together and shared together as far sure. as I'm concerned. So like sure. How do you think that 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 we maintain that community and and make sh- and make sure that we're still preserving that that energy that you get when you're in the room with someone or on the stage with someone, sure, but do sure. it across the world? Sure. I mean, well, that's I mean, you know, 2022 in uh, January of 2022. That's kind of a loaded question, but right. you know, with everything the way it is now with touring and just live music in general, sort of taking this downturn again. Um, I think I think there's plenty of examples of you know great live bands. I I play drums in a great live band. Like I play mm-hmm. drums in what I'm proud to say is like one of the most soulful bands on the planet, whether it's a trio or a quartet. Um we play like we very much play real music. There's no tracks or pre-rehearsed like I'm not listening to a metronome to make sure I count the song off at the right tempo or anything. Like it's it's straight gut bucket new orleans rhythm and blues you know what i mean we we the john cleary trio and or quartet we play a lot of that music and i I think there's a lot of good funk bands out of out of new orleans and like surrounding areas right now um you know ghost notes another great example of just a like an actual band with almost irreplaceable members you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Corey henry's band's another great example of that there's a lot of great young bands out there that are still just honestly just playing funk like like hard gut bucket soulful funk with sometimes some really great singers you know there's plenty of examples of that i think i think on the other side of the coin in 2022 you cannot afford to not tap into like what the internet can do for you you know i don't think you should get completely caught up in just being an internet personality and for all the drummers listening, like, don't worry about becoming an internet drummer, you know, somebody that puts out really high quality videos of you just, you know, defecating all over pop songs on the drums, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I think that you should invest in what the internet can do for you, get your content together, get a, either a good camera or just a decent iPhone. I'm on an iPhone 12 um, Pro Max right now, and the camera is immaculate on this thing. I think just putting out content brings people together because all of a sudden you're a drummer that somebody might want to get in a studio session. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or you're the drummer that posts about the band around town that you play with so many times that a couple of other musicians start coming out and then a couple of other musicians start coming out the next week and the next week and the next week. And then it becomes a session, you know, it becomes a weekly hang. Like I think the internet has the power to, it definitely has the power to let out a lot of bullshit, but it also has the power to bring a lot of people together for a common, you know, interest or a common cause. You know, mm-hmm. I think with, with drumming, it's just as a drummer, or as a, as a musician, you are, whether you like it or not, as a, as a working drummer, you are an entrepreneur. You are, yeah. you work for yourself. I don't care if you're playing, with a stadium band that pays you a salary, you work for yourself because that stadium gig, there's not a lot of cats with guarantee, guaranteed contracts and stadium gigs. You know what I right. mean? It could all fall off in a minute and all of a sudden you're just the guy who used to play with insert big artist here and nobody knows who you are. You know what I mean? Yep. So like you gotta, you gotta be on top of your own branding and that's what the internet power, that's what the internet has given people the power to do. Yeah. And I, and, you, know, you know, drummers, drummers historically sit around and wait for the phone calls you know yep. we wait for the phone yep. to ring instead of going out to make it happen instead um, of going out to make it happen yeah and yeah. to your and point we, about about what's we, that we we bitch about you know not being a part of the songwriting sessions or not getting credit on the studio sessions it's like bro you don't know any music theory what do you, what do you expect you mm-hmm. know what i mean like you got to be on top of your musicianship and like and your your hustle frankly Right. Nor, I mean, nor are you, I mean, not everyone, but nor are you sitting in the studio, you know, trying to write. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, we, we, as drummers, we sit around and just wait for the next big gig. And then we get to the big gig and 
do the ego thing on stage and then wonder why the big gig's not calling anymore. You know, it's right. like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to your point earlier about you know putting up a video on on Instagram and you just defecating all over your drums yeah, yeah. and and trying to no get likes and views. No it's one's like, no one's gonna hire anybody for doing that ever. Thank you. <laughs> Took the words out of my mouth. And then you talk, but you talk to him. It's like, what do you? What's the, what's the goal? And it's like, oh, I really want like you know the John Mayer gig, or I want this gig, or yeah, I want yeah, that yeah. gig. Or, and I'm like, or it's like, oh, I really want a Zildjian endorsement. It's like, all right, well then, then what? Right. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the, when what happens after that? If you hypothetically get a DW contract. Like right. who, that's what all the come on AJ. That's when all the money and fame comes in. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. That's that's what you do for your career. I'm sorry. Sorry. Man, ever since I signed my deals, man, it's like mm-hmm. they gave they actually they gave me a uh, a Ferrari too. When, you yeah, know. yeah, Ferrari with the DWs in it is the <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is they matched. Si- yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard as part of your signing bonus. It's part of the signing bonus. Yeah, you know. Um, so there's this plus this my comes- month. Plus I get my monthly checks. Well, of know. course, a monthly salary. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, me being on a on a drummer's podcast is like we can talk about what my advice to drummers in the modern age is, or just what my advice as a pocket drummer is. You know what I mean? There's there, there are two different things that sometimes coincide, but don't always have to be interlocked. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, like you were saying, how you're sort of like living two lives, right? You're a producer and you're making drum breaks, breaks, and then you go out on the road or you're, you know, you're playing weather sessions or going out on the road. Um, The the hard part is too, okay, if you decide that I need, I I need to do some other things to supplement my income, I'm going to start making beats or something like that. One, I don't think that's something that anyone should take lightly, but two, then you have to become an engineer. Yep. Then you got to figure all this stuff out. And that's, but I mean, you know, honestly, that's a, that's a difficult thing. Yes, it takes time, but also like how many drummers listening to this podcast have a fucking PS5 in their crib right now? Yeah. You know, how many drummers listening to this podcast don't have any children and watched nine episodes of something yesterday? You know? Yeah. How many drummers waiting around, waiting around for the phone to ring? consumed 15 hours of espn weekly you know we have time (laughs) there's very few people that don't have the time to learn something it's just about the effort you know i agree agree. fam i have two kids i have a wife who works a nine to five and i'm in here almost nine to five whether it's making drum breaks or you know mixing and mastering or making beats for other rappers like my time is very occupied but i still study my craft, you know, mm-hmm. the only time I'm playing video games is when my five month old son is asleep on my chest. Right. That's the yeah. only time I'm playing video games, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's like becoming an engineer or at least understanding what goes into engineering drums. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely a money investment. Like you're, you're going to spend some bread, but um, there's a lot of drummers that, also buy air jordans <laughs> there's a lot of drummers that also have four brand new superphonics in their stash yep. you know yep. do the math like <laughs> i'm not saying everybody's wealthy but i am saying like you can cut you can cut some corners budget wise if you really break down the numbers yeah i mean so, i don't i have i don't necessarily have sympathy for someone who has like a supreme bag and a pair of jordans on and a 1500 iphone in their pocket and they're like oh i can't you know i can't buy yeah. a $300 piece of gear. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. no, you don't want to buy a $300 piece of yeah, gear. You don't want to. You haven't prioritized that yet. Yeah. I'd fam, yeah. I'd, I I wear Carhartt shirts. Uh, I, I re-up on the same pair of black Air Force One high tops every six months. And I have like four pairs of jeans, cons- <laughs> like, you know, compounded. That's all, <laughs> so that's it's, all you need. I, I spend money on mics and, you know, gear for recording. And, mm-hmm. The other stuff I save completely, you know. So back to what I was saying, it's like the learning to become an engineer as a drummer. It's definitely an investment. Um, you need mics, you need an interface, you need a computer with some horsepower, you know. Uh, but after that, it's it it really does nothing but help you become a better drummer. You know, mm-hmm. it does absolutely nothing but help you become a better drummer because all of us are either in studio sessions or play at venues with some sort of 
drum miking going on. Right. But once right. you learn about drum miking, you actually play way differently. You play way differently. I used to bash the living hell out of my cymbals on gigs. And when I started getting into engineering and seeing two overhead mics, I would just tell I would just tell the front of house engineer, like, hey, give me give me some of those overheads in the in, in my wedge, you know? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like I'm letting these Zildjian K custom special drives like sing, you know, right. instead of bashing it to the point where I'm choking off a 19 inch crash symbol. Now I'm sort of whisking it and letting it say what it's going to say, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll still bash every once in a while. <laughs> my point is like you learn, you just learn more about the sound of your instrument or collection of instruments, which is, which is the drum set. Yeah. Where would you, where would you start if you were building if someone was like, "Hey, man, I want to start building a little studio that I can, you know, make some drum breaks and break yeah, yeah. some breaks and stuff like that." Um, there's a there's an interface called a Tascam 16 by eight, and it's the most affordable. It's hold on, let me turn off my uh, phone audio. It's the most affordable. I was like, was that some wind chimes? Yeah, no, that's my that's my ring on my front door. Um, the Tascam 16 by eight is probably the most affordable computer interface with the most mic input i would say that's the most affordable it's like 350 maybe and you can get 10 mics in the front of it uh it's got 16 inputs though so you can get 16 total and it's got eight outputs which is really really nice that's what i use all this outboard gear with the mm-hmm. you know my machine my sp303 one of those is really good the preamps are pretty decent um just get logic pro it's it's not that expensive it's like 250 and I would just, as far as, man, as far as mics go, you get some 57s, honestly, straight up. Get some SM57s, like four or five of them. You'd be surprised. One, you'd be surprised what an SM57 sounds like on a kick. And two, you'd be surprised how many drum recordings actually are an SM57 on the kick. Really? Like, you can, you can get some, some heat out of a 57 on the kick. Yeah. Huh. I think yep. everyone's like, oh, no, you got to get the... Like oh no! Uh, you need, I know. AKG. Yeah, you need noises like. Well, yeah. I have a, I have a D one twelve. Sounds great. I don't need a D one twelve, but I have one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've gotten placements. I've gotten placements with my drum breaks. Some of which were recorded with like five mics in an untreated room, uh, barely knowing what I was doing at the time. You know, like two mm-hmm. three years. And one of the first drum breaks I ever made, matter of fact, when I was just testing the waters, but I, I came, I came into making drum breaks already having a sound in mind that I wanted to go for. Right. I had already been listening to hip hop and listening to these classic recordings and old dub reggae recordings on funky old tape and everything like that. So I already had a sound in my head that I was going for. So the tools became almost irrelevant like the moment I started making drum breaks, the actual gear and stuff that I had, that really wasn't an obstacle because I already had a sound that I was going for. So I was going to get it no matter what. So the, one of the first drum breaks I ever made, uh, got placed on a kid Cody song, you know, really? it's, it's, it's got like 20 million plays on Spotify right now. So nice. it's like the nice gear thing. It's, it helps, uh, in hip hop. It is not necessary at all yeah yeah um yeah that's an interesting point where i think it depends on well let me ask you this before i i speak out of turn do you think do you think you should you should specialize on what type of things you're going to do like do you think that you definitely definitely yeah if if you're if you're in nashville if you're a working cat you sound good you can play those big you know stanky open country type grooves um, just that's when you're probably going to need a more expensive setup, you know, to at least send something that's usable to these bigger studios when they get mixed on these giant, you know, six figure <laughs> SSL boards, you know, right. You're probably going to need, you know, like a, you're probably going to need a D one twelve, a couple of 57s and maybe like a, mm, maybe those sure pencil condensers i forget what they're called but you see them in studios all the time yeah. you're probably gonna need like a pretty decent miking setup with maybe some warm audio preamps then you're talking about you know talking about a couple stacks a couple yeah. couple grand in but it'll be worth it if you can really play and you can send people some really good shit 
you know right you're talking about the tracking yeah exactly exactly yeah. i would i wouldn't go into it saying like i'm just going to record drums and figure it out i would go into it with a mission like right. if you play if you play straight ahead if like if you're a diehard straight ahead drummer um do some research on rudy van gelder you know he was the engineer that engineered a ton of these blue note records you know do some research on tom dowd he was at Capitol records and he engineered it's it's unbelievable this the amount of stuff that he recorded like john coltrane yeah to, to literally john coltrane's giant steps all the way up to layla like that's yep. that's how yep. deep his catalog is as an engineer you know do some research on these guys and figure out what they used and just figure out the sound that you want to go for before you start assembling the arsenal of tools you know yep that's going to help you get the sound with a lot less struggle <laughs> How do you think people should go about getting work if you're if you're doing some sort of remote session or as a recorded like remote recording remote recording so remote recording um the way i mean honestly and, and, the re- and, and sure touring yeah. and, and all that too but i think that that uh and i interrupted you and i'm sorry but and but this is like pre-pandemic even everyone was already having these conversations that they're like i want to i want to start recording like they feel like they need to they need to start doing remote sessions they need to start supplementing their income all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff well supplementing supplementing your income i think i'm i'm one of the biggest i'm one of the biggest advocators of of do what you got to do you know mm-hmm. like i'll my father-in-law owns a food truck and makes amazing food i work on it sometimes one because it pays well. Two because that's my father-in-law. It's family. It's great. I get to right. hang out. You know what I mean? In no way am I quote unquote like ashamed of that. Like oh you you've oh you've you've you know you've toured Japan and London and Australia and you work on a food truck sometimes. Like who gives a fuck? Who cares? You know what I mean? These why big why L- is there that why is there that stigma? I never it, understood it. Because these big LA you know stadium guys and these nashville stadium guys and giant theater guys are not being honest about what they're really making thank you i heard, I heard kevin murphy talk about this one time um you, you guys interviewed him once right i was gonna say what? we probably talked about it on here yeah and kevin the other Mur- thing a lot of these guys are not being honest and telling you that they're working other jobs on the side sure exactly a lot of these guys are not a lot of these la guys who you know tour with Justin Bieber are not telling you that three months out of the year they're at Guitar Center. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And there wouldn't be the stigma, anything wrong with that, if people were just being upfront about it. You know? Exactly. There wouldn't be that stigma like oh like like oh shit you got found out that you're a fraud that somebody saw you working at Guitar Center. Like no, that's what a lot of people that's what a lot of people do. Like that's Dude. not. <laughs> you didn't I, didn't, didn't Elvin Jones drive a taxi? That's what I'm saying. Like you didn't fall off if you're working in a music store, fam. That's not that's not how this works. Yeah, some of us are fortunate enough to, you know, play gigs and you know, like me, make drum breaks from home. 90% of my income comes from sample pack sales, you know. Right. Um, but I still do play gigs around town and I still do work on my father-in-law's food truck. Would I do it if it wasn't my father-in-law? Probably not. <laughs> right. You know, but it's just I'm helping the family out. It's great. I have no issues with doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. it's the the stigma of i don't know if this is like this with other musicians of other instruments because i don't like we don't get into these t- type of conversations but i do know with drummers there is this massive stigma about like not quote-unquote making it and it's it's awful fam it, it, it just makes people, it makes people make really rash decisions with their careers too you know mm-hmm. and it 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 gives way to all this gatekeeping and grandstanding. Like every, you know, people will try to, I've had, I've had people, I've had drummers show up at gigs that I'm playing, you know, with bigger touring bands that I'm in. And you know, exactly why they're there. They're not there to like check you out. They're there to try and like talk to the band leader afterwards and be like, man, you sound good. Y'all sound great, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my name is. Uh, it's like that's not you. You know what I mean? Yep. So it, it it inspires weird moves like that. When if everybody just chilled and realized that there is enough money out there for all of us, like all that grandstanding would would end. I think. Yeah, it's it's such a weird 
it's such a weird thing, man. It's like, yeah. and I've talked about this LA, numerous LA times. LA stadium drummers. There's LA stadium drummers in three three bedroom apartments with two roommates. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. like we can we can back off of the and it's you know, I think some of that is a lot of these guys' own fault. You know, you yeah. do it you do a tour for three months, and you come home with you know. 30 40k but what's going on the rest of the year now you've spent 10k on dumb shit (laughs) you know what i mean and now and now like all of a sudden you're broke again you know a lot of it is like bad financial decisions on a lot of these people's parts but yeah i I do think a big part of it is just people not being honest with what's really happening out here and i'm not saying the industry's broken or whatever i'm not one of those people but it's you you got to be honest and everybody does that's what that's honestly like one of the reasons why I talk about it a lot on the podcast because I think it's important yeah. for because there's there's a few things right there's the there's the stigma around it that we need to get rid of um there's two the just the idea of that you have to do the if you're not doing this full time then you're a yeah. failure or you're not you're successful yeah, yeah, or you're not a just, professional or whatever uh, which is bullshit uh, um and rough. the third is that there's this weird thing where people people are like I don't want to go get a job because I want to save all of that time so that I can be creative. But I'm like, are you playing drums nine hours a day? Yeah, no, you're playing thing. drums for an hour and people have time. and you're like laying around on the couch for six hours a day. Or whatever. Right. I'm like, go people get a have, job. People have so much time and it's, it's not even funny how much time we really have. And I know this because I'm, I'm one of the busiest, I have one of the busiest home lives out of anybody, you know? Right. And right. I'm still making time to release, you know, 15 sample packs in a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still yeah. making time to do all that. Like it, you can, we have time, man. We, it's, we do have time. We have I, time. I, I bring it up a lot with uh Bermuda Schwartz who's played with Weird Al Yankovic for literally 35 years. Yeah. Right. And he's like, he's had a great career with him. And he, and he even says it, he's like, there's no honor in starving for your art. No, no, none. So in fact, it makes and and even further into that, it just makes you make weird decisions, you know, (laughs) because then then you've all of a sudden you've propped yourself up with this image of a very successful working drummer and you've made people think that you're much more well off than you actually are. All of a sudden, when that image starts to fall apart, then you start doing weird shit. Then you start offering (laughs) consultation sessions. You know what I mean? You start. Then you start trying to make these weird entrepreneurial moves that aren't actually what you want to do in the first place, and they just look desperate, and that adds to the image of you being successful breaking down even further. Exactly. If you were just honest from the start, you could have just chilled. (laughs) Yeah. That's... I get it, man. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll continue to have this conversation and and continue to get that get that stigma out of there and, and just let people know that like, look, it doesn't matter if you play music a day a week, seven days a week, your full-time yeah. job, your part, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, man. Like if you're, yeah, yeah. if you're out there doing it, you're in the arena, then that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And it, people, yeah. when I first started doing these drum breaks, I had, I had drummer friends of mine and musician friends of mine that didn't really get it or understand it at all. All of a sudden, you know, year, a year or two later when the placements start coming in and I'm on, a Kid Cudi record. I'm on two Russ records. You know, mm-hmm. these places are starting to come through, and you know, these big, big, big producers are getting my drum breaks and stuff like that. All of a sudden, my musician friends and my drummer homies start to see the power of consistency. You know, yeah. A lot of, a lot of drummers get on this tip of like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm really gonna go for this certain sound on this on this one gig that I'm on. And people look at him kind of funny, like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Why is your ride cymbal so big? Or, you know, why are you using a 16-inch kick drum? Or why, why does your technique look like that? The ones that stick with whatever they're doing, you know, they get the last laugh. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think I was just thinking of Daru Jones. Like Exactly. Exactly. How many people, right. how many people, when he, the higher up he got in, in that throne, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? The higher up he sat, because he wasn't always sitting that high, no. you know? The higher up he sat, how many people were like, what in the fuck is going on right now? Yep. You know, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Uh, fast forward, you know, who's on stage with Q-Tip? Who's on stage with Common? 
You know what right. I mean? Who's doing Dilla tributes to 3,500 seat rooms, you know? Yep. Yep. It's like concept, man. <laughs> I love with, it. You stick with what you do and it's like all of a sudden. Just go with it. Yeah. Oh, I don't need, like, the worst thing you can do as a working drummer is go for other drummers' approval. And that's with anything, mm-hmm. with the way you dress, with the way you play, anything. It's the worst thing you can do because nobody you play with is also a drummer. <laughs> right. Nobody. Right. Everyone, no, that's everyone's always trying to impress other drummers and i'm like drummers don't hire drummers yeah there's like and the drummer the drummers that do hire drummers are not playing drums because they need somebody like you because they can't do what you do so like you're not drum like playing drums to impress other drummers is fun you know that's why everybody does it yeah and it's a rush but that's that's how I know immediately someone is not thinking long term when I see all that grandstanding on the on the gig, you know. I agree. Not, not thinking long term, homie. You got to, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I and I, the consistency thing is big, man. Like I think that, <laughs> you know, there's there's as as uh like as douchey as it sounds, people are like, "Yo, man, how'd your how'd your podcast get so successful and everything?" I'm like, I've released an episode every Monday for eight years. You kept doing it, yeah, exactly. Like, people, that's people it. Ask, I don't even think it's that I don't even think it's that good, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. First of all, <laughs> drummers drummers ask me all the time like how did you get, you know, people ask me like how did you get your how did you get your drum breaks to sound like they do? I'm like, "Fam, this is years of violent obsession with hip hop." Right. Like like ready to have fist fights over the way records sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like listening to listening to, you know, Common Records and Pharrell Records and records by the Roots in high school like punching my steering wheel at how drum at how good the drums sounded, you know, mm-hmm. like it comes from years of that. It doesn't just happen like, Oh, I'm going to get some mics. And if I make the right Instagram video, people will buy my sample packs. It's like, no, it's, it's years of work and consistency and not, you know, not giving up when it's not going that well, quote unquote, you know, right? like no, nobody's an overnight success. Every, yeah. Yeah. Every famous drummer that you see, well, I wouldn't say every, because there are some right place, right time people. But yeah. Though right but place, I would right. argue that like they put the time in sure. to be prepared but, for that opportunity anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like th- some some drummers. It's like they pop out on the scene and they're immediately like murdering a really big gig, but you don't see the hours of practicing just straight two and four. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, I think I think about Nate Smith like that. Like Instagram made Nate Smith. Made him famous, but, but you don't realize that he is a ninja. He, he is an absolute. He was a ninja f- far yeah. before Instagram Plan. ever came. I remember watching videos of him on YouTube in like 2000, 2007, yeah. 2008 yeah. with um with um Chris Potter. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. how does no one know who this dude is? He's murderous. He's ridiculous, yeah, yeah. You know, and like, and then Instagram came, and he was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna just drop this on, yeah. on everyone." Yeah, and, and then everyone question. was like, "Oh my god, Nate Smith!" You know, yeah, it's the power of the internet, man. It's like, but it it will eventually expose if somebody's not valid. And Nate Smith put in the work. You know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. why Nate Smith actually plays with people. He's one yep. of the few Instagram famous drummers that actually has like real work. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't even class it. I mean, I guess he is pretty Instagram famous, but like, yeah, he's 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 a he's one of the few drummers who is a working drummer that is also social media famous. There's very right. few of those guys. Very yeah. few. Yeah, you I know? agree. Man, this has been uh, this has been good. This has been eye opening, and uh, I think it's been I think it's been great for the audience. And I love like I love the 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 banter back and forth about like I could talk about hip hop all day. So that's that's always. Uh, that's always good for me. Where's the best place for people to find you, find your breaks, uh, um, keep an eye on what you got going on? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's on Instagram. It's at AJ Hall 89. Um, pretty much on all other platforms too, TikTok, uh, Twitter, all that AJ Hall 89. And uh, my website is leftfielddrumbreaks.com. Left field because I'm left-handed. Um, there you go. Yeah. Leftfielddrumbreaks.com. All of my drum breaks are up there. Um, yeah, I do. I do lessons sometimes if you ever want to get up and talk about how to actually process these drums and just or just how to approach thinking about processing drum breaks, not specifically radio ready studio sounds. I'm talking about grimy, hard hitting drum breaks 
that catch the ear of hip hop producers. That's that's kind of where I'm coming from. I don't gotcha. I don't gotcha. claim to be an expert on the on the Nashville recorded drum sound. I've for the most part I have no idea how any of that works. I know how to make hip hop breaks. <laughs> At you least know. you're honest, because someone else will be like, "Yeah, I can teach you how to do that." Yeah, Give me no, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Phil Rudd, ACDC sound fan. I have no clue, no idea. Right. <laughs> well, my man, thank you for being part of this. I really do appreciate. It. I'm glad we got to. I'm glad we got to line it up and wishing you the most, uh, the best year you've ever had in 2022, man. Much success and. I'm and definitely going happiness. for that in 2022. I'm going for it. Yes, sir. Good deal. Thank you, brother. <laughs> yeah, man. Appreciate you, bro. There you have it, the one, the only Mr. AJ Hall. And you can check out his website by going to ajhallmusic.com. And if you want the show notes to this, just go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 646. Everything is listed there. We link up to his socials and all of that. And if you haven't already, do me a favor. Your New Year's resolution should be to leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already head over to apple podcast leave a review it takes about a minute i would appreciate it it'll make you feel good and uh it'll let me know if you love or hate this this episode also if you leave a review take a screenshot of it and send it to me because i can't respond to your reviews on apple podcast so i want to i want to respond to you and thank you for it so if you do leave a review send it to me you know you can email at nick at drummersresource.com or send it to me on social or something like that so other than that that's all i got so until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and i'll be talking to you soon peace drummers resource is produced by revoice media Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me, edited by Justin Thomas, video editing by Tomas Shannon, and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.